0: This is WCPO-FM, 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again everyone and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 188. Today on our show, Joe Rudemiller from 3CDC.
1: When we did the renovation music hall, uh, once this completed back in 2017, there were some uh, some skeletal remains found. And, and that was, there were also some found uh, when they did Washington Park as well.
0: What does 3CDC do? We've always wondered. Is it an urban development corporation? Is it an event planning operation? Turns out it's both and more. Joe gives us the details. Now if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it by a PayPal or Venmo. Simply use "podcast" at cincyshirts. Chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for twenty percent off to the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Joe Rudemiller about three CDC.
1: Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C I N C I N N A T I. Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just. Once in a while, I'm at in Cincinnati. So the place we
0: usually start is getting your Cincinnati bona fides in. So I would have to ask you, of Hi. course, um, are you from Cincinnati?
1: I am, born and raised. I uh, had a, a short little time in uh, what I like to call the promised land, Athens, Ohio, going to Ohio University. Oh, yeah, we just um, visited there for my daughter. Yeah. I love it up there, and then lived in uh, Canton for just a year, Okay, uh, writing for a paper up there, but been in Cincinnati other than that.
0: Uh, what high school?
1: Uh, went to Elder, grew up on the west side over in yeah. Bridgetown, there you and, go. Uh, Yeah, still live in East Price Hill today. Wow.
0: Yeah. West side is the best side. That
1: is correct.
0: I'm on the east side, though, so I just...
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we visited OU, uh, my daughter, in the college visits, and I'd never been. And I yeah. uh, didn't realize that it uh, it was built to be a college town. Yeah, I a little 1804. Trivia.
1: Yeah, the first first uh, first college in Ohio. It's it's. I know that Ohio State likes to call itself the Ohio State University, but really Ohio University is the Ohio state university yeah you know, it's, it's the first if you, one if you in, break it down it's the first one yeah.
0: for, in the north in the whole northwest territory i believe yeah yeah, yeah. that's right and the, for those who have been there and know the, the the little the town immediately out off of the campus they kind of blend together was designed to be a college town and then when you go up on the main highway over into regular athens that's a separate thing but yeah i did yeah. not know that it was fascinating yeah
1: yeah so, so it's a great spot loved it up there
0: so you were a journalism major then you were for a paper i was
1: yeah, okay. for uh, wrote for the paper up there for a little bit, um, started in sports writing, uh, did that for mm-hmm. a year at the Maslin Independent, found out that uh, being a sports writer meant I didn't get to really enjoy sports as a fan as much as I would have liked. Oh, I hear um, you. And so I uh, decided to move back and had a little career change.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, the first place I ever heard of 3CDC was when my former editor, John Fox, became Head of 3CDC back yeah. in the 90s. And yeah. I was like, what's 3CDC? So maybe you can walk us through that. What is 3C? We hear the name all the time. We see you sponsor sure. events. What is 3CDC?
1: So it actually stands for the Cincinnati Center City Development Corporation. Um, Catchy that's name. How, uh, that's how I got <laughs> the name, 3CDC, there. Um, yeah. And essentially, the organization started as a nonprofit real estate developer. Um, with the goal of revitalizing the urban core, downtown Cincinnati, Central Business District, as well as over the Rhine. Uh, But over the years, the the organization has really grown and expanded. We're now one of the the largest event programmers in the city. Uh, We do about a thousand free family-friendly events between Fountain Square, Washington Park, Ziegler Park, and then we also manage Memorial Hall. And we recently, in, in 2019, merged with Downtown Cincinnati, Inc., and so we also provide clean and safe services throughout both downtown Cincinnati and over the Rhine um, through special improvement districts. So we, we do a lot of things downtown uh, in terms of not only bringing uh, historic buildings that, that have been dilapidated and experienced disinvestment, bringing those back to life, but then also filling those with uh, residential as well as commercial tenants and then managing the space and, and providing programs so that everything is is active and vibrant down here in the urban core.
0: So, what year did 3CDC start?
1: So, the organization started in 2003, and it was really a response to the killing of an unarmed African American in Over the Rhine, Timothy Thomas, in 2001, uh, which sparked the the riots and the civil unrest in downtown. At that time, Over the Rhine had really experienced a lot of disinvestment for a number of of years. And the business community really came together after that tipping point and said, we have to do something to try to, to preserve. Not only this historic architecture and this wonderful neighborhood, but also a lot of the, the crime and some of the negativity that was happening in Over the Rhine was starting to creep down into the central business district, uh, where a lot of these Fortune 500 companies uh, were based. And so p g CEO at the time, AG Lafley, as well as George Schaefer, the head of Fifth Third, came together and met with uh, Charlie Lucan, the mayor at the time, and they came up with this idea to, to create essentially a a private nonprofit developer with the goal of revitalizing downtown.
0: And was it specifically downtown or was it over the Rhine? Were there specific neighborhoods outlined for this or were they just going to start in one area and kind of move out?
1: So the goal was always to focus on downtown central business district as well as over the Rhine. That has been 3CDC's focus area, those two neighborhoods from the very start of the organization. Uh, That's our focus area today. That will always be our focus area. People often ask if we're going to go to other neighborhoods and the surrounding uh, neighborhoods of the city. And and the answer is no, the, it's right there in the name, the Cincinnati center city development corporation. We're really focused on that center city, those two neighborhoods. And so when the organization started um, really the first major project we took on was 2006, the renovation of fountain square. Um, And so at the time, Fountain Square was really closed off. There were a lot of walls on the kind of exterior. It wasn't a very inviting space. Um, the garage that was beneath the the plaza had really kind of fallen into disrepair. So 3CDC did a $48 million overhaul of that, took down those walls, made it more inviting, moved the fountain, which uh, at the time was quite controversial. But I think most people came, came around to see why that was done and, and really liked the new layout. And so that was the first major project. And then of course, as soon as the physical kind of changes had taken place, the organization then set out to program the space to make sure that it was active and lively seven days a week throughout the year. So that meant doing lunch events to try to bring folks in the office towers down and, and activate the square. And then in the evenings, doing things like salsa on the square and live music, uh, trying to really activate downtown. Because at that time, really at, at about 5 p.m., downtown would just kind of close up shop. So businesses, you know, the business day would end. And, and most employees would kind of leave downtown and, and head home. Um, and so one of the goals of the organization from the start with Fountain Square was providing some of that program to, programming to keep folks downtown uh, and enjoying the urban core after they they got off work. So how did you get mixed up on all this? Uh, so I joined the organization in 2014 as a communications assistant, um, just kind of learning about the, the business itself and, and all the creative and unique things that we do, not only the real estate, but also the event programming and clean and safe services. And worked for a couple years under my boss at the time was Anastasia Milam, who came right after After uh, you mentioned John Fox. Yes. And then she moved on and I essentially kind of filled her role at that time.
0: So by the time you got there, it was fully involved in programming and real estate development. Mm-hmm. What kind of is the balance between the two things that it does? Because I see signs all the time for stuff that's being developed. And of course, we see your events all year long.
1: Sure. So I guess getting back a little bit more to the history, at the same time that Fountain Square was being uh, redeveloped, the organization was also purchasing a lot of the vacant buildings in over the Rhine. There was There were several hundred vacant buildings and vacant lots in the neighborhood at the time. And so 3CDC spent about $32 million actually purchasing a lot of those uh, and then spent a significant sum of money stabilizing a lot of them. A lot of these buildings were literally collapsing in on themselves. They needed stabilization work and and needed to have essentially things put in there just to keep the walls from crumbling. And then a few years after, started doing a lot of uh, mixed-use redevelopment. So starting at the corner of 12th and Vine, essentially going block by block, The organization took these vacant buildings and converted them into mixed use projects with residential above, primarily condos, but some apartments in the early days, and then retained the street level commercial space and tried to fill those with, uh, restaurateurs as well as retailers, try to bring some activity to the street level. And again, all with the goal of creating that vibrancy, creating positive activity on the streets, uh, at the street level, both through over the Rhine and downtown. At this point, we're still, uh, at our core, uh, a nonprofit real estate developer, and we still do uh, several large projects uh, each year. I think over the past couple of years, some of the bigger projects that you would people would know about would be the the new Kroger, Kroger on the Rhine. There, uh, we worked with Kroger as well as uh, some other developers, Rookwood Properties and North American Properties on that project. But then, you know, on the other side of things, right across the street, we've done the the Court Street Plaza renovation, which is essentially connected to that where we widened the sidewalks, made it more pedestrian friendly, and and we're doing some condo units over there, which is a space that we'll now do event programming at as well. So I can't really give exactly a percentage in terms of what we're doing. We feel like this is all tied in together. So it's not only improving the physical space, but it's also improving the place. So There's, there's, you know, the the space management as well as the place management, making sure that there is activity on the street, that we're giving folks something to do, whether that's, um, you know, the street stage project where we just have a busker out on the corner who's playing music and trying to create some, some of that vibrancy for people who are downtown walking around, or it's something like Washington Park where we have. Uh, kickball leagues and workout classes and bandstand bluegrass where we're trying to bring people together and, and Friday flow on the weekends again so that live music that drives a lot of people to the park and drives activity in those areas as opposed to just having these beautiful spaces that are not activated where that can that can tend to to lead to some of the uh some of that negative activity coming back. I
0: was gonna say Washington Park another big project and we uh are have been part of that we do events with you guys sometimes We Mm -hmm. did Cicada Fest, which was just crazy successful.
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: I was stunned. We were, there were only six booths set up of people that were selling stuff. EBN was just passing out bumper stickers. We Mm -hmm. had shirts. It is the first event I've ever done where I ran out of stuff. Is that right? It was crazy. People were crazy for the cicadas. Yeah. I left with five or six shirts probably. No not Yeah, yeah. It was Uh,
1: fantastic. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's. It's a great space. Um, I feel like that was really, if we're talking about the history of 3CDC, that was really, I think the catalytic project here in Over the Rhine, where there had been some of the, the entrepreneurs that really struck out, um, and took a chance in the early 2010s. That would be like Jean Robert with Lava Matic and Dan Wright at Senate, Mike and Carolyn Dininger at, at Micah 12V. Um, we had some retail and some restaurants down in the area. But when Washington Park was revitalized and reopened in 2012, we really saw the pace of development pick up. We saw a lot more people coming downtown. It was a, an amenity that was not only great for the residents of Over the Rhine, but also was a, a regional draw. It was a reason uh, for people to come downtown and, and, again, to experience some of that live music. The, the pop-up jets are great. The children's playground. There's a dog park. There, there are so many things in that park. And what we've seen over the years is that's really, I think, probably the most democratic space in the city. I mean, you see people of all walks of life, all ages, races, socioeconomic backgrounds gathering together. And it's really just a great melting pot that brings people together. And and then we have, yeah, like you said, events like Cicada Fest or two years ago, we did pre-COVID a, a wing fest yep. that was just like crazy popular. Um, and so... It's really cool when, when we have events like that and we see them take off and, and brings a lot of people. I think that not only helps, you know, provide that activity in the park, but then that spills out to support a lot of these small businesses that are in the neighborhood. We have about a hundred or excuse me, 80 retail and restaurant tenants. And for the most part, I think just about every single one is a, uh, a local entrepreneur. And so bringing people down to these civic spaces and to these events, uh, a lot of times they'll go grab a, a drink at, Zula or something to eat. Um, And then they go over and do a little shopping on Vine Street. And so it all just kind of, uh, you know, feeds off of one another, helps support the small businesses and and creates some positive activity in the neighborhood. Uh, Yeah, we're, of course,
0: down there at uh, 13th and Main. I don't know if you're a landlord or not, though. I think it's another outfit that
1: you are in an urban site space. That's right. Correct. I remember
0: the name. Yeah. I should know that, but then again, it's not my department. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not in that's real a, estate. And, I'm in media. That's a
1: that's a great spot that you all have right there. It is much, uh, on the corner.
0: Yeah, we were up by the up uh, closer to the top of the street there. At, uh, mm-hmm. We were 1435, I think, it was the old address, and now we're down across mm-hmm. from the church, and uh, that's really taken up. Oh, something I want to mention too. We're we're just a block from the streetcar, or half a block from the streetcar. Mm-hmm. What kind of influence did 3CDC have on the streetcar, or did you not have so much? I don't recall.
1: 3CDC wasn't really involved with the streetcar okay. and didn't, didn't really have any influence. It was one of those things where 3CDC was kind of doing its work and was going to do its work regardless. Okay. Uh, I think at this point with the streetcar, uh, being where it is, it's a nice amenity, especially with the, the line going right by that new Kroger on the Rhine, as I mentioned. I mean, you could live at the banks or you could live up by Finley Market. You could hop on the streetcar. You could go down to Kroger, get your groceries. Um, so. I think it's a, it's a nice amenity to have for sure, but it wasn't something that 3CDCU was, was really involved with.
0: Okay. And we had a fellow on from the Northside Business Community Association, something, and he had mentioned something that I thought was interesting. I don't know if his numbers were right, but I don't know how he got these numbers. But he said that, I don't know if it was currently or at some point, but that 80% of over the Rhine's buildings were vacant.
1: I don't know the percentage. There were several hundred of them. Yeah. And I can tell you that we have three CDC, uh, just us. We have restored a hundred, over 150 historic buildings in Over the Rhine. And we're at this point, not really. I mean, there, there are several other developers, obviously, that have contributed and, and restored buildings as well. I mentioned urban sites. You're a landlord, but model group over the Rhine community housing. There's a number of, of developers and then, and then third party private developers as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was 80%. The, I see some of the photos that my colleagues took of, uh, Vine Street and over the Rhine when the organization first started. And it's just like block after block of vacant buildings. So it was certainly a a very high percentage of the buildings were vacant. And, and again, as I mentioned, they were in a lot of them were in really bad shape to the point where, you know, the city was, was going to be forced on some of them to, to knock them down out of a, you know, safety. Uh, concerns. Uh, I think a great example of that actually is well, Tass Ale House right now, formerly a, an Episcopalian church. And there are pictures, there was a hole in the roof and it was essentially sat vacant for 20 or 30 years. We got control of it, covered up the roof, found a, an operator for that, and then did that reinvestment. And now it's, I feel like, a great draw for the neighborhood. But that's a historic structure that was, you know, this close to, to being raised because. It just There was nothing that could be done for it. And so to, to turn that around, not only save that historic building, but then put in a, a business that has, has grown and has become a draw, I think is a great example of uh, some of the work that we can do in terms of saving these buildings and, and driving more activity to the neighborhood.
0: Did you ever find anything surprising? Did the crews find anything when they were uh, rehabbing these buildings? I know there's, there's a lot of beer caverns. Because of all the breweries, there have been sure. some cemeteries found, things like that. But anything else yeah. cool or unusual found during renovations?
1: No, I think the big one, yeah, you mentioned it, is when we did the renovation of Memorial Hall, or excuse me, Music Hall, uh, which was completed back in 2017, there were some, uh, some skeletal remains found. And, and that was, there were also some found uh, when they did Washington Park as well. Hmm. Um, that used to be a pauper's field in that area. Yeah. And so interestingly, I think I was talking to a colleague. Technically, at a certain point, even human remains are considered by the state to just become dirt. Really? It's not actually after like a hundred or 150 years. I don't know the exact date. Huh. Um, we didn't treat it as such. Sure. We treated it as if it was as remains and, hmm. and brought in, um, worked with some, some folks, uh, in the neighborhood actually to make sure that we were taking care of that, but taking care of those remains and trying to be respectful. Uh, in those two instances, but yeah, those are I think the the two times that uh, something a little bit interesting came up. And then we didn't find this, but I think one of the cooler spots in OTR right now is a, a bar called Ghost Baby, which is in Union. It's it's underneath Union Hall, uh, which is in the 1300 block of Vine Street. There, where Centrifuge is. So if you go 40 40 feet down underground. The old lagering tunnels. Um, There's a space down there that uh, was converted into kind of an old speakeasy. They have live music. It's a really cool bar. And you're essentially, like I said, about 40 feet underground. And it's just a really cool vibe and and kind of a cool spot. Wow. So I guess the big
0: challenge, of course, in doing something like this is gentrification is Mm -hmm. always a problem. How does 3CDC handle that? You know, revitalizing things, but not booting people out and, you know, having find some place else to live.
1: Yeah, so I think you touched on it a little bit when you mentioned the vacancy. So I think a common misconception about us is people think that we're, we are booting people out when in reality, what we did was purchase a bunch of vacant buildings. I am want to say like 98% of the projects that we've done have been vacant buildings. And so we didn't boot anybody out of those. What we took was a vacant structure, we redeveloped it, uh, and essentially all we did was create housing and create new businesses. So... I think, again, that that is certainly a a common misconception that people don't really understand about our organization. Uh, In the very few instances where there were residents in the buildings, uh, we worked very hard with our partners to make sure that we could find a spot for them to live. We didn't just come in uh, with eviction notices and and ask them to leave. But those, those cases have been very few and far between. And the vast majority of the work that we've been doing over this time is redeveloping those vacant structures that nobody was living in anyway.
0: Yeah, it seems that, you know, 3CDC has done a, a really good job of making, you know, at least from what I've seen in other cities, you know, making a space viable, but also, you know, keeping the, the character of the area. You know, for example, mm-hmm. when we first moved here in the 90s, over the Rhine, not a great neighborhood, not very safe particularly. And mm-hmm. now, you know, if someone comes from out of town, they in fact, we occasionally we'll get emails from people to Cincy Shirts saying, hey, we're coming to town. I don't know why they're asking us. But can, can you, you know, is, can you recommend a place to go? And, and you know, I'll send them over to the Rhine with no problem at all, you know. But in Cleveland, where I grew up, East 55th, I'm not sending you there. No way. Mm-hmm. Now, there's other parts of Cleveland that are being redeveloped, but there's still, there's a ways to go. Do you guys go to other cities and kind of see what's going on and kind of borrow ideas and vice versa to people? I imagine people would come here and see the success that 3CDC has had.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we have certainly heard from a number of cities throughout the country, Atlanta, St. Louis, Providence, folks that are just trying to understand what our model is like and whether or not they can adapt that and take that uh, to their cities. I think one of the things that kind of sets us apart is the engagement of our corporate community. And so I think another common misconception about 3CDC, we're not a public entity. We are a private organization, but really we were formed and still have the support of a lot of the key corporations here in downtown. I think the great thing about the p the Kroger's, the Fifth Thirds, Western Southern, those folks, is that they don't just provide financing uh, for these projects that we're doing. Their leadership is actively involved in our organization. They're really engaged. They're always showing up the board meetings, giving us feedback, helping with the direction of the organization and their engagement, um, their time and, and their, you know, they're great business folks, so their their time and their business savvy, their experience all really contributes uh, to what we've been able to do here. That said, we're absolutely always looking at other cities to see what kind of programs they're doing, and, and anything that we can take and leverage and uh, replicate here that's working elsewhere is something that we're, we're certainly looking to do.
0: Is it easier to—because that's something I've always wondered about—is it easier to rehab or revitalize an existing area like Over the Rhine? As opposed to going somewhere completely new, like and tearing up somebody a field somewhere, like in Mason or Westchester or someplace mm-hmm. like that, because mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff is already there, or doesn't it really make a difference. It's just it's just two different things, and eventually going to spend the same amount of money.
1: I think it's two different things. I would venture to guess that it's probably a little bit more difficult to do it in a historic district. Uh, would be my guess as opposed to just kind of like an open space area. Certainly, both are going to be costly, but you know, if you're thinking about just a vacant area where you can kind of start from scratch and build everything up, it's a little bit different than the process of of kind of going building by building like we've had to do. Additionally, I think we're a little bit unique in that we're a nonprofit real estate developer. So I think that kind of adds to it as well. For our projects, we have to utilize a a number of different financing tools and methods. So we're utilizing new markets, tax credits, historic tax credits, uh, traditional financing. So Uh, Our projects are very complicated in terms of how the financing comes together. Um, And we also have a different goal. And and I think that's part of it. Our goal is not to to make money uh, on these projects because any money that comes in from our development essentially gets rolled forward uh, into doing the next project. So what we have are kind of revolving loan funds and any profit that we receive from condo sales or proceeds, let's say just goes into financing the next project and we just keep moving forward with those and and that gets back to the the built-in the, the the support of the corporations that provide a lot of the funding for us they're not asking to pull their money out after we sell those condos they say yes use that for the next project roll that money forward so that we can just continue on a cycle of continuing to to redevelop the neighborhood and and I think another thing that sets us apart and, and makes us a bit unique is their commitment to the community as a whole. And, and one thing that makes us a little bit unique again is uh, the, the nonprofit status. So our homeless to homes plan, we constructed three brand new comprehensive residential service facilities for the homeless at a cost of $42 million. And that was not, obviously that's not cheap, but also there's not a lot of return on that investment. That is something that the corporations and the philanthropic community and the local government, city, county, and state came together and said, this is important. And so we ended up building City Gospel Mission and then a men's shelter and a women's shelter, which are now overseen by Shelter House. And I think that that's just a commitment to the community. And now we have these state-of-the-art facilities that are you can go anywhere else in the country and you're not going to find homeless uh, facilities that are better than what we have here. And we also have some of the greatest homeless shelter facility operators in the country, I think, and Arlene Nolan at Shelter House and, and, um, and Roger Howell at City Gospel Mission. We still work closely with them on a lot of initiatives, trying to help people through our Generosity 513 program uh, who are on the street getting into shelter, or getting into permanent housing. So I think there's uh, just a lot more to 3CDC, and a lot more depth to the organization than, than most folks realize.
0: Yeah, what made me uh, wonder about that and why I've always learned about that is, uh, you know, back as far as the 2000s, at least, we've had this these competing controversies between sprawl and gentrification. And mm-hmm. a buddy of mine was lamenting, he used to live in Oakley, and when they built that big shopping center there, he was like, oh, they used to be in a factory that had good paying jobs and things like that, and now it's just a big shopping mall. And I'm like, well, that may be true. Yeah, they're probably, overall, in today's dollars, they're probably making less money working there, but they didn't go out to Westchester or Mason or Anderson township and plow over a field. And they Mm -hmm. used what was the the roads were already there. The sewers, I guess were already there. Electricity was already there. So I would imagine that's a good thing when you use something that's, you're almost recycling in a way. So I was always just wondered about that. You know, I've knowing nothing about urban planning. I just, it's just something (laughs) that that occurred to me uh, when looking at those two things.
1: Fair enough. Candidly, you know, my gig is communication. So I am not exactly an expert in urban planning either. I, I won't, I won't pretend to be, but what you're saying definitely makes sense.
0: So what kind of things does 3CDC have coming up in the future? Is it going to continue to go block by block through the rest of Over the Rhine and back into downtown and keep revitalizing and planning events and things like that?
1: Yeah, so a few things. I think one one of the key things over the past few years, when we first started, home ownership and Over the Rhine was at 4%. Ah. So a lot of our early projects were really... Surround or around uh, building up some of that home ownership. It was condos primarily more so than apartments. And also because of the historic nature of these buildings and the shape that they were in, it was very expensive to do a lot of the renovations that we did. Getting back to the fact that we're a nonprofit developer, we were able to take on some of these projects that were a little bit riskier that a for-profit developer would not be willing to take on because they weren't sure that they could get that profit back. So early on, we were really focused on those condos Homeownership is now up to, I think, 12 to 15%. So that that area of the market is now kind of stabilized a little bit. And so really where 3CDC has shifted our focus the past couple of years is building high-quality, affordable, and mixed-income housing. And some great example. another thing people don't really always realize about 3CDC is that two-thirds of the apartment units we've built in Over the Rhine are affordable units. And we've built several hundred units. So we just wrapped up Perseverance, which was a project that we did with Over the Rhine Community Housing on the 1500 block of Vine Street. Uh, that's 32 units, all affordable housing. We're currently working with the model group on a project called In, which is a scattered site, mixed develop, uh, mixed income development. So there's 163 units in that project and, and 69 of those uh, are affordable units. And that's, you know, north of Liberty, south of Liberty around Ziegler Park. There's a few of those. So, we're really continuing to, to look at what we can do to create more, not only affordable housing, but some of the, the market rate and workforce housing because we want to, to be able to create a space where somebody can work at one of these bars or retailers down here and they can afford to live here. We think that everybody of all income levels uh, should be able to live in the neighborhood. So, we're really focused on that, creating that uh, mixed income housing uh, and making sure that it's high quality um, because. We really believe that everyone should have quality housing as well, whether it's affordable or market rate. So the projects that we do primarily include both market rate and affordable units in the same building. Uh, They all have the same fixtures, finishes, and quality. It's just a certain amount of units within any structure have to be deemed as affordable. That is one of our big focuses. Uh, Another focus of ours right now is really trying to connect all the energy that you see in Fountain Square with the vibrancy up and over the Rhine. And so I mentioned Court Street Plaza before. Um, what we really would love to create is a city where somebody can come in from out of town, be at Fountain Square, walk straight up Vine Street, and it feels like there's just this energy the entire time all the way up through over the Rhine. Um, and right now there's a few blocks there that are a little bit sleepy and that there's not a lot going on. And so we're trying to really bridge that gap and connect those areas. And Court Street Plaza is, is a great first step in that, but we're going to continue to look in that area. And then we also think the Southwest corner of downtown is something that needs uh, to to have a little bit of focus down by the convention center. um, We're finishing up right now, our fourth and race project, uh, which is a $116 million mixed use development with uh, apartments as well as street level commercial space and a garage. 8451 is down in that area with Midas and Maplewood and that. So um, that's another area where we feel like, you know, there could be some more investment, and we're certainly looking to to do what we can to add some more energy in that area of town as well.
0: I imagine the pandemic has kind of slowed things down, though.
1: Yeah, the pandemic um, certainly was a challenge and and um, hit a lot of uh, the the small retailers and restaurants pretty hard. I will say that uh, it was really inspiring to see a lot of the small businesses, primarily in over the Rhine, especially. Kind of pivot and do whatever they could to try to keep things going. And whether that meant, you know, shifting completely to carry out uh, or delivery models or, or uh, a lot of the retailers moving online and, and doing unique things like uh, having gathering parties on Instagram to sell their wares. Uh, I thought that was really inspiring, but it certainly hurt a lot of businesses downtown. I will say that in OTR for our tenants, we saw less of a dip. There than in the central business district. I think uh, I think downtown was was hit a lot harder because so many of those businesses are reliant on the fact that we have sixty thousand workers every day downtown, and all of a sudden those workers were gone. So we certainly did whatever we could to to help. We did a, a gift card matching program called the Cincy Card Connection, uh, where if uh, an individual bought a gift card from a downtown business and sent a receipt into us. We bought a, a gift card at a similar business, a matching for a matching amount, and that raised six hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars and supported two hundred and eighty-five businesses. And then we worked with our individual tenants to try to uh, either abate or forgive some of their rent, restructure their uh, leases, so that we could make sure that they could survive. But yeah, it's it's certainly been difficult. And um, you know, and as soon as we started to see things picking back up and feeling like they were turning to normal, then you had the Delta variant. So you know, we're not out of the woods yet, but we feel like things have been slowly trending back in the right direction. And it's going to take some time to get back to where they w- where they were pre-pandemic though. I
0: was going to ask once things, once we finally clear the pandemic, will it be back to business as usual or will you be doing things a little differently because of the pandemic? Did you learn any lessons from it or will it just be like, we're past this now, let's back to get what we were doing best, you know, events and revitalizing these buildings and soldier on?
1: Um, Well, I think I think everybody probably has learned some lessons. Um, I think we'll probably see office spaces, for instance, look a little bit different moving forward. Um, But we've also done things like at Fountain Square, we added bumper cars this year uh, to the ice rink in the winter. I think that's something that was popular. We'll bring that kind of thing back. So I, I think. Some of the changes that we made that worked, and then this is not us, but I think some of these small businesses that have pivoted and, and gone to more carry out or delivery, that's opened up additional revenue streams for them um, to explore. I also think that one, one positive that came from the uh, pandemic is the addition of these permanent outdoor dining areas, the streeteries that we've been able to add. I think that's added another level of vibrancy in addition to helping those businesses because it's more room for them to have more customers. I think it just adds an extra energy to the street. I think they look really great. So there's an aesthetic to them. And so things like that sticking around, I I think are certainly uh, a positive.
0: So will those stick around then after the pandemic even where they've blocked off? Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So it started out temporary. They were temporary for a while. We had kind of the the construction barriers, which they served served their purpose in in order to allow people to dine outdoor was not the most aesthetically pleasing, but we've gone back. And added really nice decking and uh, railings and planters to all of, the, all of those for any business in downtown that wanted one. And I feel like it's added a nice element to both Over the Rhine and, and the Central Business District. And
0: to something else you were mentioning about, you know, folks being able to work at the bars or the restaurants or the stores there and be able to afford to live in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. How important is that, that you know, to add to that? Because a lot of people, you know, I work in Anderson and sometimes I go work in Hyde Park or Clifton, in one of our yep. locations. You know, it, how important is it to the revitalization area to have people not only work there, but live there and really feel a part of the community?
1: Yeah, I think it makes uh, all the difference. I think what, what you see then is somebody who's really invested in the community. If they're down there, they're living there, they're working there, that's where they're getting their groceries. Like, not only are they um, supporting the muni- community, but I feel like that makes them feel like they're really a part of it. And so we think it's very important to have all income level, housing for all income levels, so that anybody uh, who wants to live down here and work down here is is able to do that. And that's certainly uh, what we're working for with a lot of the projects that we're working on right now, trying to create that mixed income housing.
0: Was it a challenge trying to get the amenities people need? I know we finally got the Kroger situation sorted, mm-hmm. which for years and years was a problem. But is it hard getting other kind of businesses? Like, do, are, you, are you wanting for some particular kind of businesses down there? I don't know, maybe auto repair, I don't even know. But there's something like that, that you can get down there, but you're having a hard time attracting because maybe it just isn't, you know.
1: I mean, there is some auto repair. I think one thing that we certainly hear from folks is the, a laundromat. Ah, um, so that's something that, you know, I, I've heard my colleagues talk about, you know, how can we how can we get that uh, or maybe a, a dry cleaner? Some of those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think would be nice to, would be nice to add to the neighborhood and it's something that we're always kind of looking at uh, ways that we can do that. Bring back Sudsies. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not familiar with Sudsies. That was a little before my time. I've heard the name. I went there um,
0: once. It was actually of my time, but I only ended up going there once for some reason. I mean, a lot of bands I liked played there. But yeah. for some reason, I ended up seeing them other places in town, uh, and gotcha. then of course it, w- it was open and closed for, for. And people probably know this history. It was open and closed a lot. That was the mm-hmm. other problem. Where Bogarts has always been there, so yeah. yeah, so it was always a venue. But yeah, that do some something something fun like that. Is it? Uh, do you guys try to like balance out the kind of businesses down there so it isn't so bar and restaurant heavy, or is it like, hey, this is the bar and restaurant district. Come down here, mm-hmm. and then other things will follow.
1: Well, we really feel like a couple of things on that. One is on Vine Street, the reason we retain ownership of those street level commercial spaces of all of our developments is so that we can have a little bit of control of the mix of, of tenants. So we don't want to have two taco places right next door. Um, so we try to, one, balance out the the types of food and restaurants that we have. But we really believe that Vine Street, Main Street, there's like a really nice shopping district down here and so we're continuing to try to add more and more retail to our to our commercial spaces so that people don't think about necessarily the mall at the holidays they think hey I can come down over the rhine and do my holiday shopping uh that's certainly really a goal of ours and and i feel like we're seeing more and more of those retailers opening up uh good co over on uh, vine street and boutique kala Kismet's there pataya i mean you walk up vine street there are a lot of there's not only a lot of different retailers but retailers at different price points um you know you guys on main street there's there's some more retailers over there i feel like both main street and vine street has a, a nice business mix and we we believe that that really vine street is a viable retail district and we're continuing to try to add more more retailers to the area
0: and i guess the logical progression is going to be going further and further up the block toward liberty mm-hmm. is that the
1: yeah. So the Wilkeman project that I referenced earlier, the scattered site project that we're doing with model group is actually has some buildings just north of Liberty there. Okay. Um, so one of the buildings actually that we're uh, renovating right now is where Alabama fish bar is. Yeah, so yeah. that we're, we're fixing up that building and we're renovating their space, which is really exciting. But yeah, we're, we're starting to, to dip our toe into that a little bit. And then there are a number of civic spaces north of Liberty in that area. So you have Finley playground, Grant Park the OTR Rec Center. And late last year, I believe it was, um, the Cincinnati Recreation Commission and the city uh, tapped us to, to look into how we could revitalize those areas. Um, and so we're in the process of trying to come up with a plan uh, in the community engagement phase right now at this point, trying to understand what folks would, would like to see out of those spaces. But I think that's kind of the next big project that we have from a civic space uh, perspective. We've done uh, Washington Park, obviously that's a regional draw. Ziegler Park, we feel like is certainly more neighborhood centric uh, right, right around the corner from you guys. But we have the deep water swimming pool. We do a ton of kids programming there. We have the free summer camp, the free swim team. And so we're hoping that we can do a similar thing uh, north of Liberty with these spaces uh, where we create some great amenities that can bring the community together that uh, service both kids and adults and seniors. So we're looking at that right now. And I think Hopefully, that'll have the similar kind of catal- catalytic effect because there's still a lot of vacant buildings up there that could that could use some uh, some TLC and some some updating and, and upgrading as well.
0: So where can folks find out more about what you're doing right at the 3CDC website, I assume?
1: Yeah, at uh, www.3CDC.org. That really gets into uh, all the real estate projects that we're doing provide some information on our condos, and then it's kind of a jumping-off point to all the civic spaces. So we have a website for all the spaces that we manage, um, Fountain Square, Washington Park, Ziegler Park, and Memorial Hall. There's links to all that in there. Yeah, but there's a lot of information, uh, background on the organization, as well as the projects that we're working on, the 3CDC.org website. And, of course, upcoming events and whatnot? So each each civic space has its own event calendar, so we don't have those consolidated in one area. But, yes, you can get them at each site. Terrific!
0: All right. Well, this has been uh, fantastic. I finally know a lot about uh, more about three C D C than I did originally, so that's that's good. Um, the last order of business yep. we have, uh, speaking of uh, sales and retail and things like that, is as the guest, you get to pick the coupon code that our customers can use for the next week, uh, either online or in our stores, and it can be either a one word phrase or uh, a couple word phrase or one word. What would you like that coupon code to be?
1: Uh, how about Oh, man, you're really putting me on the spot here, P.F. I I had not given this. Whatever pops into your head. I'll tell you what. We are about to do a ribbon cutting uh, for Imagination Alley on Wednesday. Okay. Um, It's a little pocket park on Vine Street. uh, Great community gathering space. We're really excited about it. So let's make the coupon code Imagination.
0: Great. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. Let me write that down so I don't forget it. No, it'll be in the recording great all right terrific well appreciate this joe thank you for taking the time and explaining to us all about 3cdc and urban development and urban revitalization and um yeah continue all the good work and i'm sure we'll see you again soon
1: thanks really enjoyed it appreciate you having me thanks joe all right take care bye
0: Miller, I was gonna play "We Built the City" by Starship. You know that I thought would be a fun play-out song, but then uh, you know I thought I'd tie it to the uh, coupon code. Imagination, Brian Wilson there from his. I believe, second solo album, and uh, people not keen on Brian Wilson solo albums, weirdly, even though everybody loves Brian Wilson, uh, of all the Beach Boys, uh, but I recommend both of, at least the first two solo albums, uh, 1988's of Brian Wilson, and I believe this album is also called Imagination, it is from 1991, 2, 3, somewhere in there, so do check that out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the show, simply email podcast at com. but... Uh, podcast guest on the subject line and give us a few sentences about why you think that person would be a good guest. Or again, you can always volunteer yourself if you have an interesting story to tell or an interesting connection to the tri-state. And uh, yeah, that was interesting with Joe because I've always kind of wanted, I kind of know what 3CDC is just from living here for so long, but I never knew the exact details of how it worked and uh, all the stuff they did. And i Disclosure at this point, I should probably mention, we partner with 3CDC often. Uh, we sponsor events and things like that, so uh, we're uh, buddies with them, and it was nice to hear their story. Now, be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. If you haven't already, go back and check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. And today's show is produced by me, with all from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They're from Philadelphia. Find their music in iTunes. Oh, I keep saying iTunes because I have it written here on my sheet. I still use iTunes, but uh, most of y'all probably use Apple Music because you're not uh, old like me. Uh, You can also find them in Spotify, Google Play, I reckon, and wherever else you get your music, Uh, Amazon probably. So do look for our friends Big Nothing there. You can find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Phoenix, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and tons more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Like Cincy Shirts, we have a nice mix of old shopping malls, defunct sports teams, restaurants, TV personalities, stuff like that. So do check that out. And you can use the promo code from today's episode on oldschool. Shirts.com or Cincy Shirts.com. That promo code of course is Imagination. Imagination will be the promo code for this week. Use it at oldschoolshirts.com, like I said, or Cincy Shirts.com, or you can come into our physical stores, Cincy Shirts and Over the Rhine or Hyde Park, tell them I want to use the podcast code. Imagination, and they'll take 20% off your entire order. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest in shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.